Pure sublime, coming from the heart of Jesus, just the same through test of time. And we'll stand to sing all of the verses, please. just for a few moments, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, please. Our loving God and Heavenly Father, we continue on just now in the privilege of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the one in whose access we have into your throne of grace and prayer, the one who we've been singing of just now. Lord, we thank you for redemption. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love that was displayed towards us. Lord, it is a humbling truth to think upon the Savior's love towards sinners. We think of ourselves. We think of our own state and our sin. We think even as Paul described himself as a wretched man, 
And yet, Lord, we are humbled in the fact that Jesus Christ loved us and gave himself for us. He came to this world to die for the ungodly, such as we. And so, Lord, we come into your presence just now in thanksgiving and praise for your Son, who sent into this world to die for sinners. Lord, I pray that tonight we would see more of him, that as we sing your praises, we would sing it unto him. We would be thankful even as we think of the ministry that we were involved in in Uganda. And as we come to preach your word, may the love of Christ, as the verse that we will hone in on tonight, may the love of Christ constrain us in all things. As we continue on through this meeting tonight, may we see more and grow more in Christ our Saviour. Lord, we pray for this meeting, that the Holy Spirit would be one of our number. Lord, we ask that you would indeed presence yourself with us, each one of us. Lord, it would be a shame to come here just out of mere practice, out of religiosity, to a church or to a person. Lord, we ask that we would come out here for the thankfulness of our own hearts towards our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To praise him for your honour and for your glory. Lord, have a word and season for us all tonight. Undertake for me as I lead. Undertake for each heart gathered. Lord, we all gather here with different needs. Lord, even some gather here with needs maybe unknown to others. They've kept it to themselves. Lord, you know. We come to a heavenly Father who cares for his children, who knows the very number of the hairs on our heads. And we pray to that heavenly Father now that you would just presence yourself even in the meeting of providing needs of your children here. Lord, we ask that you would undertake for us in every aspect. We would not want to meet here in our own efforts. Save us from hypocrisy, Lord. Save us from ill motives as we come here. But Lord, make us even willing vessels to be blessed in this meeting tonight. Lord, we pray for all of the congregation. We are mindful of even those who would love to be here, but they can't through various different circumstances, especially illness. Lord, we pray for those going through difficult times in terms of physical strength. We ask that the Holy Spirit would draw alongside them, even that their spiritual strength would be to them their physical strength, to guide them through even their time of need physically. Lord, we pray also for our own pastor. Lord, we thank you for your hand upon him, even as he made his way to Romania and his wife. Lord, we pray that you would grant him a blessing even, there as he seeks to minister in whatever way and shape and form that might take in Romania. Bless them for your name's sake. And we pray also that you would even continue to bless the word that was preached over the course of the mission. Lord, we thank you for the gospel that it was freely freely proclaimed. And we ask even that the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ would continue to bear fruit. Lord, we thank you for answered prayer over the two weeks even in the bringing out of our family members. Lord, as we've prayed, you have answered those prayers. But Lord, we ask that you would do a work in their hearts. Lord, that you would continue to speak through your word and that you would bring them to our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Unite families in Christ, we pray. And as always, we pray that you would increase our faith, that we would pray not just for the sake of praying, but in understanding that we pray for a fa- to a Father who hears and answers Increase our faith in you, O Lord, we pray. Grant us help in this meeting tonight. Bless in everything that would take place. For your name's sake we ask it. Amen. Amen. So just now I'd like to give you once again all a warm welcome to the meeting tonight. If you've joined us here, thank you for coming. 
pray that the Lord will bless you here in this meeting, but also for those who join us online as well, in whatever platform that might take. Pray that the Lord will bless you there at home too. Just a few announcements. Tomorrow night will be the Youth Fellowship at 8 p.m., and Gregory Gibson will be the speaker there, and he's going to speak to the young people on the question, how is God, or how can God be a God of wrath and a God of love? So come and hear Gregory speak. Uh, young people come and hear that, but also bring friends along as well to hear that important question and the answer to it. Next Lord's Day, there's the early morning prayer meeting, as usual, for those who can make it at 8 a.m., and then the Sunday school at 10.30, as per usual, at 10.30 a.m. And then the Bible class is at 10.45, and I believe Mervyn will be back uh, to continue this study on the wonder of God's Word, and his message will be the Bible's preservation. Next Lord's Day will also be the worship service, normally at 12 uh, noon and then 7 p.m. The preacher there filling in for Mr. Park will be Stephen Crawford. Now, Stephen Crawford is finished college now. He was in the same year as Johnny Story, actually. So they're both in the same situation, going around preaching for the call. So you can take from that whatever you want to when he's coming here. He's going around preaching for the call, but I better say no more. <laughs> That's how, that's how rumours start, so I'll just stop there. That's online now. <laughs> but no, pray for Stephen as he comes, that the Lord will bless him. Of course, in his own preparation time, and also as he comes to preach God's word there on the Lord's Day. And please remember Mr. and Mrs. Park. They're still visiting there in Romania. Pray that the Lord will continue to give them help in their journeying to the different locations. And also as Mr. Park, of course, will minister there. And whatever they do, the Lord will be glorified. So that's all really the necessary announcements that I'll make at this point. But Mr. Park asked, um, asked me to give a little bit of a report on our time in Uganda tonight. So that's what we're going to do just now before we come to the message. And you won't have to listen to me all the time. Rachel's here tonight as well. So she's going to get up and she's going to tell us something about the general living in Uganda, more of the personal side to things. I'm going to give to you really what was all involved in the ministry side of things, as we'll come to see just in a moment. But first of all, here's Emmanuel Christian Academy. I don't know if you've seen it from that angle before, but you can see on your right top corner there, there's a, a building with a green roof on it. That's the apartments, so that's where we stayed for the majority of our time, actually for the whole time that we were there. There's three apartments under that roof. So Noreen is also living there as well. The building with the solar panels, the, the red roof, the biggest red roof there, is actually the church. And then the rest of it is given over to the school with the boys' dorms, those boarders who stay over the line of buildings along the bottom on your left-hand side. That's where they live, and then the girls at the top, and the rest really are classrooms. So that gives you an idea of the compound itself, and that's where we spent our time, as we say. Then I have this slide, just simply named Noreen McAfee, and that's there just to remind you once again to continue to pray for Noreen. Uh, you know, Noreen, my hat is off to her, really. I think it was Alistair Hamilton said that Noreen does the work of about three men put together, and with me being out there in February on my own, Noreen was there as well, and I could see that firsthand, just how busy she is. Sometimes I would ask Noreen, well, how, how did you get on today, or how's your day going? And she would say... With a smile, of course, she would say, well, it's just one of those days. 
But it got to be, they were all just kind of one of those days. It's just, she's just so busy. You can imagine looking after the school, the pupils, the teachers, then the church as well, coordinating everything, and then the administration work, things that I don't even know about. So do please pray for Noreen as we think about Uganda here tonight. So I'm going to list to you some of the ministries that we were involved in. And I have to say just from the outset here, um, the point of listing all the ministries isn't just to remind you what I was doing out there while I was there. Of course, um, I know a lot of you will care for what we were doing. You were praying for us in the ministries. But the point of listing the ministries is really for you to pray for the ministries as they continue. So all of the things that I'm going to list to you here are still going on. And the missionaries who continue to go out will be doing all of these things and maybe much more. Mr. Park mentioned Trevor Wiley being out at the minute. So he'll be doing all these things that we're listing here as well. So the ministries, well, the Sunday services, we start there uh, as normal, the morning worship service and the evening fellowship. The morning worship service is at 11 a.m. and there's a a time of prayer just before that. And then the evening fellowship is about 6 o'clock in the evening. It's just really like our own services here, just with an African twist to it. There's no organ or piano. There's maybe the drums in the corner and somebody's keeping rhythm as we sing. But there's the core or the, the hymns, there's the, the praying, there's reading God's word, and there's the preaching of God's word. So very much like it is here at home. Now, the, the church is mainly made up of pupils and teachers. It is on the compound there of the school. So you can imagine that the teachers that are boarding there and the, te- and the, the pupils who are boarding will be there. But there are a good few who attend from the local area as well. So continue to pray for the Sunday services. Then there's the prison ministry. And the picture that I have up there is obviously because we weren't allowed to take pr- pictures of the prisons or the people within the prisons. So the prison ministries, they take place between the morning service and the evening service on the Lord's Day. There's two prisons that, that we or they go into. Uh, one is in Lukaya, um, which is about 15 to 20 minutes away from the school, and then another in a place called Bugalula, which is about 10 minutes away from the school. And really, it's a great opportunity um, to get into those prisons. I was once told, you know, you don't have to tell someone in prison that he's a sinner. He knows why he's there. So it's a great opportunity to share the gospel with those folks. And simply we just go in and we're given an hour to spend with them. They sit under a tree and they're quite willing to listen to us for the duration that we're there. So pray for that. Prayer meetings on the Thursdays then. And again, similar to our own prayer meetings, the same kind of format, only it's more informal as you can see, we're sitting around there in the circle. So prayer meetings on Thursday. Then the open airs are on Friday. So this is the Friday evening. We get together a group um, of believers and some from the school as well for the open airs. And you can see uh, in the bottom, your bottom left there, just some men sitting around. And that's men on this occasion, but women would be sitting around as well. In Africa, really, the culture lends itself to open air preaching. Because people generally don't spend time in their houses unless it's for eating or sleeping. So they will spend time in the open air, which of course then lends itself to the open air preaching. Because they're quite willing to sit and listen. And they're not watching TV either. So they have nothing else better to be at. They will listen 
to the gospel. So great opportunity there. And Rachel, you can see, gave her testimony one of those as well. So this next slide really is just to reiterate the opportunity that is there. This is all to do with the open airs. You can see the, the list of villages there on your left hand side. Those are the villages we had opportunity to preach in. But if you see Chambala 1 and Chambala 2 there, Chambala is an area and there's two villages within that area. Chambala 1 is a Roman Catholic area, or sorry, predominantly a Muslim area. Chambala 2 is Roman Catholic. And then when you go down to Mabuye, we're told that it's really not religious at all. And all of this is within about a three-mile radius from the school. So you can imagine with such a spectrum of religion around the area, there's a great opportunity and a great need for the gospel, and the open airs is a great tool uh, to be able to do that. So could you continue to pray for the open airs? School assemblies, well, uh, the first time I went in February, the school was on. The second time when we went as a family, the school wasn't on. So this is really more to do with the first trip. We had opportunity to speak to the children there in the school assemblies. And then we also, thinking of the kids, we had two holiday Bible clubs when we were out there. And so I was approached by the mission board to have two holiday Bible clubs. They spanned over the course of the two weeks. There were four days each. And this was a great opportunity as well. There was many children, uh, we thank God for that, that came along. In fact, in some, sometimes there was so many children we could have done with more leaders if it was possible. But we thank God for this opportunity. On the left-hand side there, you can see we were in the village. So we were able to get access to a local school. And they were able to give us that uh, to hold the Holy Bible Club in. And then on the right-hand side, we had then four days of Holy Bible Club in Emmanuel Christian School as well. So, yeah, we thank God for that opportunity. And if you know me, you probably know that children's work isn't my forte. I wouldn't say that I'm, a, I'm really gifted in it. But we do thank God for this opportunity. But I have to say, some people, whenever I tell, tell them that I, I spent time doing two holiday Bible clubs, they, they think that I took all the meetings and I spoke at each one of them. I have to say, I used my gift of delegation very well for those two weeks. And we got the locals very much involved. The teachers helped us a lot during those two times. The main reason being not just to get out of the speaking, but it was so the children would be able to listen to God's word being taught and read from in their own language. And I believe that impacts them more, of course, you can imagine yourself. It's going to be better hearing the gospel in your own language than your first mother tongue language. So that was the main reason. I, I did prepare the meetings and the messages. Rachel put together the crafts for those meetings, but I only took two out of the, out of the eight meetings. And we're very thankful for um, a lot of the help that we had from the local um, Ugandans there. This is just if you want to, maybe, maybe does the sound come across? I be pressing something? Is it the volume here? No. Well, 
that's fine. That was really just someone is teaching them the memory verse, which is from Timothy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that's them being taught in their own language God's word. So again, do pray for even that there would be seeds sown there in the lives of the young people that gathered. Um, there was about 50 came, 50 to 60 came to that village um, holiday Bible club, and then upwards in over 100 or 120 at the school there. So we thank God for that, and we just pray that um, he will move in those children. So this is really just to remind you of the, the ministries again, but again, I want to reiterate, it wasn't just... I wasn't just giving you that whole list just to remind you of what I was getting up to. There we have Trevor Wiley. I took that straight from Facebook. But he's there at the minute and he's involved in all these ministries. So pray for them all and pray for him as he continues to teach there at Emmanuel. I'm going to hand it over to Rachel now and she's going to give you something about life in Uganda. Um, so I just want to give a very, very brief overview, insight into family life in Uganda um, and how our day-to-day life kind of looked. But one of the main questions um, I'm always asked is, well, how did the kids get on? And in two words, really well. Um, initially, we were very wor- worried about travelling. Um, just the three flights, um, this would be our first, the kids' first time on a plane, and here we were taking them on three flights from Belfast to London, London to Qatar, and then on to Uganda. Um, So yes, most families with kids can understand this. um, But Eloise and Arthur are also very terrified of hand dryers. They just freak out at the noise. So we were a bit worried, but to be honest, we shouldn't have been worried at all because they got on so, so well. And they even slept on the plane, which was great. Our luggage also arrived on time with us, so we didn't have the hassle of having to go out and buy clothes or search for nappies. So we already had a great answer to prayer there on day one. Um, The kids adapted also really quickly to their new environment. Um, Their rooms, the heat, smells, the people, which obviously made it then a lot easier for us as well. The night we arrived on the compound, um, we were welcomed with maybe 15 to 20 young people who surrounded the car and then who each wanted to lift and carry Eloise and Arthur. Um, I guess two toddlers, Arthur especially with his blonde bright hair, um, and the kids just went along with it. So that was great and we were able to get the luggage out of the car and into the house, which was good. But yeah, many times the children had others around them, shouting their names, wishing for them to play. And and for the most part, our our pair did well and played along. But once once a week, we tried to get off campus, um, just to get off the compound for a bit of a break, to get the groceries, most of the basics we could get quite locally. Um, But we also tried to visit a lake, the equator, And then one time when we decided to go down to Entebbe, three hours away, just to stock up on meat for the next two, three weeks, we decided to visit the local zoo. So that was was something we all enjoyed. Um, The weather when we were there was between 20 to 30 degrees, which was quite comfortable most of the time. But it was also the rainy season. So for maybe 
So for a couple of days it maybe rained four to five hours a day. And then we saw numerous storms and lightning and fork lightning especially. So these two top pictures are the same compound. The one on the left was when it got dark and then on the right it was when it was all lit up with lightning. And then the bottom picture was a picture that was taken when we were just travelling along, along the road one day. But it was pretty impressive. But um, on one of those occasions, um, um, with the lightning storm, and one of the teacher's house was actually struck, and it travelled through the house, and he was sitting on his laptop, and it actually travelled through the laptop and gave him a shock. But he was obviously fine, he just was a bit sore for the next couple of days, but it just showed you how impressive and how dangerous these things can be. But, um, yeah. <laughs> But every, um, every week on Compound, there was something different happening. We arrived the night that the school was finished for a, few, a number of weeks. So the Compound was quite quiet. But those weeks were the weeks that we maybe had to prepare and then be involved in the holiday Bible clubs. And then also then in the final week, um, the school was then back to their classes. So overall, it was a busy time for everyone. But with David busy prepping and then speaking, there were times where I could get quite lonely on the compound. And nearing the end of our time there, the kids started asking and talking about their, um, their family and friends more. Um, and it just reminded me of just how to be thankful, that I should be thankful for that contact and those prayers that people were um, praying for us at home. And also as a lesson to ourselves that we should personally be more intentional about reaching out to the other missionaries on the field. So do please pray for Noreen and other missionaries because it's, it's not easy sometimes and they're dealing with numerous, numerous issues. But lastly, we were also so thankful that, um, that to God that we were all kept relatively healthy. The kids took their anti-malarial tablets without much fuss and we didn't have to get any medical um, attention at all, which I thought we did great with the two-year-old and three-year-old. Um, but yeah, this was just a, a very quick overview, but I hope you enjoyed seeing some more pictures of the kids. And just thank you again for all your prayers and your love and support. Um, yeah, and I'll just pass you back to David. Thank you. All right, so that just remains for me to say, to continue to pray for Uganda, as I've already said. Um, Pray for the school. You can see the school up there. That's the assembly at 7.30 in the morning. So, yep, Noreen or the teachers or the missionary will be taking those assemblies. Pray for the school. Of course, Noreen's biggest heart's desire is that they would be saved. And, of course, education matters. But, of course, the, the spiritual condition of the children is greatly on her mind and her heart. So pray to that end that they would be saved. Pray for the Kurskadan family as well. I have them up there. They are going out full time, God willing, next year. Um, after Mr. Raker Scadden there, he has finished his uh, deputation meeting. So the mission board is looking forward to him going out there on a full time basis. But you can see the various ministries. Life is busy and you can probably tell that it's, it'll be too busy for just one man, really. And so pray that the Lord would work in the hearts of others to go there's a lot of work to be done in Uganda, inside the walls of 
the compound and outside there as well. So keep your prayers on Uganda. Even though we're home, I'm sure you're praying still for Noreen and for the whole work there. And again, as Rachel has already intimated, we thank you very much in the Saviour's name for your prayers for us and those who contacted us. It does make a difference whenever you're out there. And as Rachel says, it's, it can get lonely at times, but whenever you get that text from home, it helps. And we thank the Lord for you here. Before we come to the message tonight, I want to sing once again, as we sing together, hymn number 343. Hymn number 343. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. And we'll stand to sing here the three verses. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll break into the chapter at verse 13. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and the verse 13. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. 
And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray for you. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. We'll end the reading there. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer once again. Our loving Heavenly Father, again we come into your presence just now. and We are thankful for your word. Thank you for the truths that are contained within it. And Lord, our humble asking is that here tonight you would even reveal more of that truth to us. And in order to do that, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. And so we ask that the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit will be known to us even as we open your word and seek to preach upon it. Lord, bless my heart as we preach the word. Bless the hearers as well. For your sake we ask it. Amen. So what I want to focus in on here tonight for final moments before we come to pray is really the verse 14. And it's those simple but yet profound words that we find there at the beginning. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Now I know that those words deserve a lot more time than I'm going to spend on them tonight. And really, as you read through the passage that I've read, there's many a truth that we could spend time in tonight. But what I want to think about and what I hope you'll be encouraged and challenged by is as we take time to remind ourselves of our subject here, the Christian's motive. Why do we do what we do in life and ministry as believers? Why do we do what we do? What's our motive in doing? Paul here, the apostle, is the writer of the words in Second Corinthians, of course. And you think of who Paul was. He was the great missionary, the, the church planter. The one who wrote many of the epistles that we love to read. Where we get those great theological truths and those exhortations to Christian practical living. Paul the Apostle is the one who is writing. But when thinking of his life and ministry, we can't just dwell on the mountaintop experiences of Paul's either. It was not all plain sailing for Paul. But on the contrary, Paul was an outcast. During many times in his ministry, he was an outcast running for his life on many an occasion. In verse 13 that we read there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have those words, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is of God. And to be beside yourself in the context here of what Paul is writing means literally to be insane. Now, Paul is not saying that he was literally insane at any moment in his ministry. What he is saying is that when people watched Paul, 
what he was doing and listen to what he was saying. Many a person thought he was insane. He was a madman. So Paul had to endure that kind of ridicule during his ministry. And we all know a few pages over as well, those verses in chapter 11 in 2 Corinthians. If you turn over to chapter 11, we have this list that Paul goes through of things he had to endure as the missionary. Interestingly enough, Paul had some years to live after he wrote this list, so you can understand the list is not exhaustive, not least to say that he was martyred for his faith, so this list could be added to you. Look at verse 24, we'll take the time to read here. He says, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils by the, in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And so with all of this in mind, we can see clearly that although there were mountaintop experiences in Paul's life, during his ministry he saw many a soul won for Christ and many churches planted. But why would a man or a woman go through all the other stuff that we've just read about? Why did Paul continue in the ministry? What was his motive? Did he love people? Of course he did. He loved the souls of men and women. Did he love traveling? I'm sure he did. We all love to travel. There's something attractive about that. Did he enjoy seeing churches planted? Absolutely. But let's be honest. We think about people. Sometimes people aren't at all that lovable. Some people would say, you know, you couldn't love them if you reared them. So that's just the reality. Let's be honest. A lot of people are not likable. They're changeable. And then you think about traveling. Traveling isn't always a happy experience, especially if you were living in the days that Paul did. And churches, well, they're made up of all the imperfect people that we've just thought about. And so a perfect church can't come from imperfect people. But this could not then have been Paul's motivation. Paul's commitment to the work and ministry was not primarily motivated motivated by these things the people the traveling or the planting of churches it couldn't be because they were changeable they were unpredictable there's nothing certain there motivated by these things could not have sustained him to keep on going in the ministry no his motivation in life and ministry had to be the immutable immovable constant love of Christ the love of Christ constrained him whether he was in sickness or in good health whether he was being persecuted being called a madman, or whether he was being praised for his ministry, or whether he was traveling in shipwreck or plain sailing, the love of Christ was what constrained Paul to keep on going. That was his motivation. It had to be. And this then is the great Christian's, or the Christian's great motive. And it's not just for Paul either, or a select few of the believers within the church either. Look at what Paul says at the beginning of verse 14. He says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. So this is for all of us here tonight. Those of us who are in Christ, we are believers. It's the love of Christ that constrains us all. 
But we think about the love of Christ constraining us, and we think of that word constraineth. We have to ask the question, what does that mean? What's Paul really saying here when he's saying the love of Christ constraineth us? Because it doesn't mean really what our English word to be constrained uh, would refer to normally. Because our English word, when we think about being constrained, we can sometimes think about being held back or restrained or restricted. But that's not what Paul is saying. It's not that the love of Christ restricts or holds anyone back. Rather, constraineth in our text here is speaking about being kept, being held together. That's what constraineth means. We are held together and kept with and by the love of Christ. I was trying to think of an illustration in my mind that would uh, help you visualize what that means. And I came up with the car chase. Has anyone ever watched a car chase on TV or online? You watch that car chase, the the car is speeding down the motorway and very often the police cars would come alongside that car, one in front, one behind and then two simultaneously up the sides. And what they're doing, they're boxing that car in. And when they get into that position, then they can move that car. And they can, that car can be moved and controlled according to the other four police cars. So you see what I'm saying here? What Paul's saying is that if you're saved, and if you're saved here tonight, if you have been born again, we've been given a new life through Jesus Christ, the love of Christ has been displayed to us, then you will be held together by, you'll be preoccupied and taken up with the love of Christ. You're fully taken up with that love, so much so that that love will surround you and it will move you and control where your life should go. That's how the love of Christ constrains us. It is our motive, our only motive. So the question is, have you experienced that love tonight? Of course, have you experienced the love of Christ and salvation? That's really where all this begins. But for us all here tonight as believers, have we really ever experienced the love of Christ constraining us on a daily basis in life and ministry, as Paul exhorts us here to be in that love? But we bring it back to what we mentioned before. Nothing else can be our constant source of motivation. There can be many of a motivation, and I'm not going to go into what other motives you can have here tonight, but I will venture to say that there only can be one primary motivation in the Christian life, and it always brings us back to Christ and his love. Turn to Romans chapter 8 with me, please. We see something else about this great love of Christ. Words that I'm sure you'll know well. Verse 35. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and we'll read to verse 39. Paul again, he asked the question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You think about the love of Christ in the life of the believer. 
It's the love of Christ that saved us from sin. Don't forget that. We love him because he first loved us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It all begins with the love of God, the love of Christ. As he died there on the cross to take upon himself the guilt, the penalty that was ours. That was love to put Christ on the cross. It's the love of Christ that gives us new life. Jesus Christ rose again so that he lives, we can live also. That's love. It's the love of Christ that we are kept in that salvation and in that new life to such an extent, as we read here in Romans chapter 8, that nothing shall ever separate us from the love of Christ. And believer here tonight, in whatever circumstance of life you find yourself in, are you living in the love of Christ? Because in that love you can see nothing shall ever separate you. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate you from the love of Christ. No matter what. And Paul says it's that love that constrains us. But notice one last thing before we come to our time of prayer. Let's think about the result of having this preoccupation with the love of Christ. What is the result? Well, the result is really, to put it simply, it will always take us beyond ourselves. When the love of Christ constraineth a person, it will take you beyond yourself. Look at verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 once again. After Paul makes the statement, the love of Christ constraineth us, he says, Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. They which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him, of course, being Christ. So being constrained by the love of Christ, quite simply, will have us live for Christ. Our interests will be his interests. Our desires will become his. And the love that he has for his people and for others will be our love. And this again brings us full circle to think about Paul the missionary. Why did he go? What motivated Paul? Why did he endure everything? It was because he was motivated by the love of Christ. But not only the love that Christ had for him. The love that Christ had for Paul resulted in Paul having a great love for Christ. And having that love for Christ also resulted in Paul having a love for the souls of others. For Christ's people. Paul goes on to say in verse 18 that God here has given us to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. The love of Christ that constrains us will ultimately lead us then to make that love known to others. It will take us beyond ourselves. We will live for him. We will love him. And in loving him, we will love others. Mr. Park on Sunday past mentioned that great question that Christ put to Peter. Who do men say that I am? And Peter responded with that confession, Thou art the Christ. But Peter, asked, or Peter was asked another great question on another occasion by Christ. John chapter 21. John chapter 21 and the verse 15. Let's just read from verse 15 to 17. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. 
he saith unto them, Feed my lambs. Again, verse 16, Jesus Christ asked again, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. You see what is happening here in context of what we're speaking about here tonight. Lord Jesus Christ is asking Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? Do you love me? And again, we have to search our own hearts here tonight. If Christ was to ask that question of us tonight, lovest thou me? Would we have the confidence three times like Peter had the confidence, Lord, you know I love you. Thou knowest that I love thee. What's the result? The love of Christ here that he has had for us and the love that we have for Christ will always lead to evangelism but also to the feeding of the flock. Let that love be displayed in the building up of the church and the presenting of the gospel to others. No matter who you are tonight, the love of Christ was never meant to be something that would stop at you. Jesus Christ never saved you just to be an island No, you live constrained by the love of Christ, to love him and to love others, to see the souls of men and women saved. It's all wrapped up in the duty of the church in fulfilling the Great Commission, isn't it? And Jesus Christ, he left that commission to his disciples. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. He said, make disciples of every nation. What's the motivation? The love of Christ, constraining us to do that. So why does anyone go to Uganda? And I mention Uganda because that's the presentation that we gave tonight. Why would anyone go there or any other country in the world? Why would you pray for missionaries tonight? Why would you pray in general? But why would you pray for missionaries to go? Why would you pray for all the ministries that we mentioned tonight? Because the love of Christ constrains you to do that. That's your motivation even here at home in everything you do. And for the missionary, of course, as well. May God help us. Help us all to have his love permeate every part of our being tonight. That's really the prayer. How, how we do kind of mourn over our own conditions at times. How the lack of the love of Christ that is within us. But may even through what is said tonight spur us on, even encourage us to think upon the love of Christ and how that should impact our lives in every way that the love of Christ would constrain us all. This is the great Christian motive. Amen. May God bless the word to your hearts. Just before we come to our time of prayer, I do want to sing another hymn. The hymn 480. Hymn 480. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And if you're in the choir, sing this one out. This is a great choir piece. So sing all the parts if you're here. This is a great hymn. Let's think of the words as we sing.
So we will come to our time of prayer shortly, but just to remind you of some of the individuals to be praying for, um, just to give you an update on a couple of them. Um, Dave Bevan, I know, has gone through his procedure there last Lord's Day past, and um, Madge and Dave would like you to pray for them. They are waiting for some results as a result of that procedure, so you know the waiting time for waiting for results and things can be anxious times. So pray for them. Lord, give them strength as they wait in those results. Also, an update on Jose Barnabeo. He has gone through his second bout of treatment uh, at chemo, as you well know, just Monday week ago. And Alex has told me that um, he is feeling tired, but that's the extent of his illness, and they're thankful for that. As you know, it can get much worse. But he is going through another bout of treatment in about a week and a half time. So remember him before the Lord. Remember the whole family um, at this difficult time. And the other names um, that you can see there, commit them to memory and to prayer. And also prayer requests for Ukraine. Of course, for Ukraine as a whole, as a country, pray for them. And you can see there before you the different needs. Pastor Valentine and their, uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ are living here in Balamone and all their works that are connected to them. Pray for them, that the Lord will give them strength, give them grace in this difficult time. So we will come to prayer just now and this is the time where we say goodbye to those online and we pray even that you've been blessed in your time here and that also you will pray for those things that we've mentioned even here tonight. So God bless you. But we will have our...